There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get ready for today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com, Draft in your app store, is a great way to play fantasy sports. And right now, they have NFL best balls going and going strong. Go check it out. It's a great way to play. You draft. You don't worry about it. They take your best scores each week. It's a ton of fun. Use promo code SDSPORTS when you check out, and you'll get entry into a free $3 best ball tournament. So go check it out. Draft in your app store, draft.com, promo code SD Sports when you check out and enjoy a great, fun way to play fantasy sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 111 going to be talking some fantasy football quarterbacks and in order to do so i have one of the members of the two qbs.com good guy good friend you can find him on twitter at greg sauce greg smith how are we doing man good bubba man thanks for having me this is uh this is gonna be fun yeah gonna be a lot of fun and uh, i mentioned the website already but before we get everything cracking why don't you let everybody know what you got going on over there and uh, your draft guide and all that good stuff yeah, come over to 2QBs.com. You spelled out all letters, T-W-O-Q-B-S, uh, 2QBs.com. Uh, we have a draft guy that's dedicated to two-quarterback and super flex formats. So if you're like me, if you're like Bubba, if you are ready to you know, embrace the volume of like really good passers that we have in the NFL, uh, you, know, you should be playing in a two-quarterback league instead of a one-quarterback league. And that's what we're trying to cater to are the people who are kind of on the cutting edge of fantasy and really like where the format is going in general, like sooner or later, I do think this is going to become the standard way to play just because there are so many good quarterbacks, but yeah, the draft guide's awesome. 220 plus pages um, analysis of all sorts of different quarterbacks from a lot of different angles. Uh, we have a, like a super flex mock draft in there with a bunch of heavy hitters from around the industry. Um, so come check that out. Uh, I've got a podcast over on two QBs called the two QB experience and, uh, I'm about to launch a, a new series next week. 
uh, starting on Monday the 6th with, um, I'm going to call, I'm calling them two-a-days where uh, each episode I'm going to have two different analysts who are somewhat related either like for through writing for the same site or for some other reason. And uh, they're going to kind of each give their own take on the quarterback position. And so my goal there is to kind of show, uh, you know, across the industry, what people are doing with their quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues and in two quarterback leagues. So come check that out. Um, but yeah, follow me on Greg Sauce at Greg Sauce on Twitter, uh, 2QBs.com, all letters. And, and that's it, man. Let's dive in. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to go over some of the top QBs some rookies, new faces in new places and many more. I think we'll hit majority of them one way or another by the time we're all said and done. Um, if you have any questions, again, go to 2QBs with everything you need. Let's start with uh, – we'll, we'll go off a of Fantasy Pros ADP, and we'll kind of go over the top five guys at the moment on consensus ADP rankings. We'll start with the guy many consider the top quarterback, and it's really – it's him, and then it comes after him. It's Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. Not really any shocker here. Anything that might surprise people with the thought of him going number one quarterback-wise? I mean, I don't think so. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Kind of no matter how you slice it, you know, if you look at the past two years, the past three years, the past four years, whatever, Rodgers is the most efficient quarterback in the league. And as long as he's healthy, which I, I'll admit is a concern sometimes, like as long as he's playing, he's the top guy. And with that said, I'm probably not paying up for him in most leagues, even in two quarterback formats where, you know, he carries more value because the, there's more demand for the position. Um, but that's just not my style. I don't pay up for QB. But if I were to pay up for a guy at the top of the list, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers for sure. Just for fun speculation, because you don't pay up for quarterbacks. I, I don't pay up for quarterbacks. It's kind of a thing. It seems it, it, it used to be like no one ever would, and guys are starting to become a little more willing to do it. Right now he's going 26th overall, so say in a 12-team league, that's early third. Um, how Where would he have to fall for you to take him? I think if he made it to like the fifth or sixth round, I would at least start thinking about it. I mean, really what you're looking for is the drop-off in talent at running back and wide receiver. And once, you know, you start to lose that, then you can start to talk yourself into either a quarterback or a tight end. But ultimately, I still probably wouldn't pull the trigger because if Aaron Rodgers is lasting that long, that means that Tom Brady is lasting that long, Russell Wilson is. like, And those guys are all really good too. So you really don't have to be the first person ever to draft a QB in your league. It's just not really worth it because – at whatever price point you're talking about, there's going to be a comparable quarterback. And I just, you know, spent however many minutes saying there's nobody comparable to Aaron Rodgers because he's the clear number one, but he's close enough to Brady and Wilson and uh, Newton breeze. And maybe you can make the argument for like Watson or Wentz, if you wanted to, like the point is that the position is super deep and you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel the pressure to be the first guy to take one. And that's why even when Rodgers slides, it's still probably not worth it. Yeah. And that's something I think people will get by the end of this episode is, it's an extremely deep position with a lot of similarities and uh, a lot of, I guess, quote unquote, comfortable picks throughout all of the quarterback position. Let's talk about the second quarterback currently on Fantasy Pros ADP. And this one gets my head scratching quite a bit. It's Deshaun Watson. And yes, he was really, really good. But, you know, the ACL injury makes you kind of question mobility. I'd imagine he's going to be fine, but not to the same extent. Um, and, you know, Hopkins can only do so much. What's your thoughts on Deshaun being number two? 
Yeah, I'm out on Watson at his price. There are some shades of Robert Griffin III here, kind of the rookie year that he put together, like potential fear of that kind of reoccurring. I don't think that's going to happen, but ultimately we can look at Watson's performance from last year and know that it was unsustainable. He had a 9.3% touchdown rate in 2017. That's like on the level of Peyton Manning in 2013, which, you know, we don't see that stuff repeated from year to year. And meanwhile, on top of that crazy touchdown rate, he still had a really bad interception rate, uh, 3.9%, ranked 33rd among passers with at least 200 attempts, which was third worst in the league, uh, only better than Deshaun Kaiser and Trevor Simeon. So in terms of turning the ball over, he has a lot to work on. Uh, It's really important to remember just how much of a surprise he was last year, despite how good he was. Like the coaching staff actively chose Tom Savage over Deshaun Watson to start the season. And to me, that suggests that Watson didn't really appear ready to that point. Now, he proved the coach is wrong for sure, but only across a very small sample of games. I think that, you know, while Watson has had some time to become better acclimated to the NFL, other NFL teams have now had time to, like, get film on him and acclimate acclimate to his game. And just in general, like, young quarterbacks, especially mistake-prone ones, tend to be really volatile. It's going to be a roller coaster ride with him, I think. And I I just can't justify drastically. I just can't justify drafting such a risky guy in the early rounds when, like like we've already talked about, there's so many other proven guys available a little bit later um, and and even a lot later too, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned the part on the film and I agree that's going to really change things up. You know, it just takes a little bit of extra knowledge for some of these defensive coordinators to do some damage. And the other part is I've talked about it elsewhere before is we have to remember that he did a lot of his good fantasy work coming from behind or in shootout games. And, you know, now his defense should be locked in with Watt coming back and their their solid secondary. So it's a lot to think about when you're talking about Deshaun Watson. Could he do it again? Sure. He's kind of that, you know, if you're playing DFS, he's a GPP play all all the time because he's got that tremendous upside. But when you're talking season-long fantasy, like you mentioned, you know, you got so many guys right behind him that you could easily take and feel a lot better about and maybe in the long haul have a lot more success. Yeah, it's fair to be excited about him and the player that he is. I'm just not excited about the price. That's my only issue. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's talk uh, the GOAT, as some will call him. I'm not a huge fan as a Dolphins fan, which sucks because I get to see him just have fun with us twice a year. But uh, it was his birthday today, and uh, his name is Tom Brady, for those that don't know. And he is very, very good still, and he's going third overall. What's your thoughts on Brady? Yeah, I kind of have the same thoughts on Brady as I do on Rodgers. Like, we know that he's really good. There's not a whole lot to say about him. Uh, I am curious to see what happens with him in the early weeks with kind of the receiver troubles that they appear to be having. Like, they just signed Eric Decker, which is interesting. Uh, We don't know how much Decker has left, but he's coming in, in theory, to replace Jordan Matthews, who went on IR. There are some questions about the weapons there, but that's kind of always the case with Brady, and he figures it out. Like, that system is so good, that coaching staff is so good that you kind of trust him just to deliver high-end fantasy numbers. And one thing above all else with the Patriots is is you know that they're going to be kind of on the cutting edge of offense, which means passing the ball. And so you don't have to worry about Brady's volume like maybe you would with – you know, Watson with that good defense uh, with some other QBs as well. Um, I think Brady's fine. Uh, I, I mean, not fine. He's more than fine. He's really, really good. Uh, but again, I'm not really looking to draft quarterbacks in this range. Yeah. The thing with Brady, it's always great. Like you mentioned, he can make an Eric Decker actually, you know, have another year or two of his career worthwhile because he just makes everything so efficient. And if the wide receivers aren't working, he makes Rex Burkett or something like that look great. So no matter what, like you said, they're on the cutting edge of offense, which means throwing the ball. He's going to be throwing it all over the place, and they don't care if they blow a team out. They will run the score up. He's one of the more 
you don't want to use safe in fantasy. I hate using safe. Him and Rodgers are pretty darn safe if you want to go that direction. Yeah, maybe not safe, um, but consistent and reliable yes, when they're playing. Yes. Yeah, Much better terminology there. Uh, let's talk Russell Wilson. I think this guy is an amazing quarterback. If he only had an O-line and some more consistent receivers, he yep. could really be something here. And their defense is going to take a complete fall this year as the Legion of Boom is no more. So what's your thoughts on Russell Wilson, who has now um, possibly lost a receiver, a very important one? Yeah, the, I mean, that point you make about the defense is a really good one. Their defense probably isn't going to be that amazing, you know, relative to, you know, the expectations that we've had for them in previous seasons. And at the very least, that should keep Wilson throwing and scrambling to some extent based upon what's going on with his offensive line, too. But that offensive line should be better. And it seems like through the moves that they've made in the offseason that they do want to run the ball more. And so I'm curious to see how that plays out. Like, I think Wilson's a tougher evaluation than someone like Brady or Rodgers. Like, I, I still think Wilson is is going to be really good. And he's been super consistent over the past four years. Uh, he averages top – let me sorry, let me back this up. He averages 12 top 20 finishes per year, which is tied with Cam Newton for the most in the NFL over the past four seasons. So, I, I mean, that consistency is there. The rushing that he provides is what gives him that sort of floor in terms of top 20 finishes. Uh, but there are some question marks, and I – I don't know. I'm a little concerned for sure. How about you? Like, are you willing to draft him considering everything that's going on there in Seattle? If I was taking an early Q- QB, this is kind of like where my quote unquote tier one slowly comes on in. There's, you know, another guy uh, I'm big on is Breeze. He'd probably kind of sneak up there as well. But Wilson, it's like, I really, really liked him, but Baldwin is a, that really makes me take a step back and look at things because I know this could just be, hey, he's getting older. We don't want to risk anything. Baldwin doesn't need to practice. They have a rapport. He could step out there week one, and they're really not too concerned about it. At the same time, if he is really hurt, he's already got a knee injury now that could linger all year, and you lose Baldwin for a long period of time of the season because maybe he re-aggravates it. We've talked about that receiving core, and it's nothing. It's not great at all. So um, it is much more concerning, yes, in a roundabout way, yes. It's much so- more concerning. If Baldwin is hurt, let's say he ends up going on the PUP or something, like which receiver are you looking at there? Because I think it's it's not an easy choice. Like Lockett is probably the default answer, but do you really expect him to kind of sustain like a number one receiver role? I'm not sure I do. Like I think it's probably going to have to be somebody else. I mean, we're talking about Amara Darbo, Jerron Brown, Brandon Marshall. I mean, the, the tight ends there, Ed Dixon, Nick Vanette. Like there isn't a whole lot to get excited about, but – if Baldwin's out, one of those guys has to step up. Who do you think it is? That's the thing is someone has to step up. And you, like you said, the easy answer for many would be Tyler Lockett. And I like Tyler Lockett a lot more when Baldwin was on the field because it yeah. opened it up. I love Tyler Lockett as a later round option. You know, honestly, Brandon Marshall, he's got the big body, but he's not going to be that guy to get you from 20 to 20. But inside the 20 might be much more active. The guy that could be interesting if he fits, if he starts to get a rapport with um, with Wilson, could be like a, a Jaron Brown, a Jaron Brown who we actually saw glimpses of something in Arizona from time to time. So that could be really interesting to me. But man, you go, you look at their depth chart right now. They have like a list of twelve receivers in the third receiver section. Like it, it is so wide open, and you don't know how this is going to pan out. It's bad. It could Ed Dixon. You never know. He could turn into a slot type tight end guy, which would be crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, the other answer might just be one of the running backs. Like, we know they drafted True. Richard Penny, and they're talking up Chris Carson a lot. Like, maybe they run more of the offense through those guys. Or even maybe C.J. Procise is like a, a fantasy zombie kind of rising from the dead. I mean, yeah, it's a really fascinating offense because the only constants in it were Baldwin and Russell Wilson, and now half of that equation is out of the window. I, yeah, that's it's a tough evaluation. Yeah, it's going to be one of the more important uh, storylines to watch in um, preseason because right now a lot of it's everyone's in the best shape of their life and all that stuff. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta really take it like, close, but this is one you can actually kind of pay attention to for a while here. And maybe what they do is they just simplify the game plan. They turn it into kind of a Patriot style. It's all quick hits and you know rowing four wide. We use our receivers. It could be any given guy in any given week, kind of wild like that too. So. Mm-hmm. Let's talk the fifth fantasy quarterback, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. It's similar to Deshaun Watson, another young, very talented player. Um, in year two, ACL injury as well. He's looking, quote-unquote, good in uh, training camp so far. But Carson Wentz, surprising to me, is going fifth off the board quarterback-wise. What's your thoughts on Wentz? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot like Watson, he's probably due for some regression. He had another otherworldly touchdown rate in 2017, uh, 7.5%. He's not going to repeat that again this year. Like, just for context, like the average touchdown rate among passers with at least 200 attempts last season was 4.3%. I mean, even the QB1, Russell Wilson, only had a TD rate of 6.1%. Uh, so, yeah, Wentz is going to come back to the mean, or at least his own mean, in in that category um, but unlike Watson, he did have a small, a larger sample size of games uh, and better efficiency in terms of his interception rate and his adjusted net yards per attempt. So th- there's some optimism there. Like if you look since 2010, uh, only five second or third year quarterbacks have posted a TD rate above 6%. Uh, the first was Nick Foles in 2013. The other was Carson Wentz in 2017. Andrew Luck, 2014, Russell Wilson, 2013, Matthew Stafford, 2011. That's some pretty good company, right? Like the comparison presents a pretty reasonable range of outcomes, I think, for Wentz. The problem is that he's being drafted like Russell Wilson when he should probably be drafted more like Matthew Stafford, like the low end of that that range. Um, But to be fair, like he could outperform that for sure. It's just a matter of price. Uh, Once again, like broken record alert. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out on Wentz where he's going. But I think that he could that he's probably a very good player. Uh and, and we'll have to see that how he comes back from that injury because he built some of his game on mobility as well. Like that's probably not as well documented as Watson. But uh if he can't move around quite as well, like if that impacts his performance, that could be a pretty big, you know, drag on his fantasy production. No, I agree. That's a that's a big part of his game that people kind of overlook, I should say, is he did run the ball a lot uh, there in Philadelphia. Uh, especially around the goal line and, you know, third down conversion type deals. I do like Wentz quite a bit, and I think he'll be good this year, but he did just have an, like an unworldly season last year. So it'll be really interesting to see how that all breaks down in uh, Philadelphia, especially as they go on their title defense in Philly. Let's talk about a couple quarterbacks, uh, new faces, new places type deal before we get into some rookies. Uh, let's start off with Kirk Cousins had a – you know, the win-loss records for those that care about him didn't look great in, in Washington. But fantasy players, he produced time and time again, year after year. And similar to Wentz, he used his legs, like you're saying. Now, he goes to uh, Minnesota, much – well, most are saying much better weapons, and I I tend to agree with this. But it uh, looks like a great spot there for um, Cousins. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it, he's an interesting evaluation because last year's like efficiency metrics don't paint him in a super good light. Like in 2017, he was only 10th in yards per attempt, 
And as you kind of refine that to be more uh, like going deeper into efficiency, like adjusted yards per attempt, 12th, adjusted net yards per attempt, 14th. Uh, but with that said, it's kind of hard to evaluate his 2017 season because so much went wrong with Washington's offensive line. Uh, that dip that we see in adjusted net yards per attempt is probably just directly tied to the number of sacks he took. He took 41 last year. For comparison, in 2016, he only took 23 sacks. In 2015, he only took 26. So, And that was when Washington's O-line was healthy, right? Um, and in those seasons, his adjusted net yards per attempt numbers looked much better, uh, over 7.14 in both years. And so if we look at, like, if we compare those Washington offensive lines to what he's going to have this year in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's O-line last year only allowed 27 sacks. They ranked sixth in football outsiders adjusted sack rate metric, 4.4%. So there's definitely some reason for optimism that Cousins could get back to that, like, hyper-efficiency that he saw with Washington two years ago and three years ago. Uh, my biggest concern with him is you mentioned the rushing production that he's provided for fantasy. Like he scored four or five rushing TDs in each of the past three seasons. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can continue that under the new coaching staff with the Vikings on a team that has, you know, more legitimate goal line backs, uh, Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. Um, Washington never really had anybody that was that great in that department. So I think there's a really good chance that we see Cousins rushing production scale back, even if his passing production, you know, takes a step forward from last year. I, I think that he's one of the more interesting guys and I'd like him, but for whatever reason, other people seem to be valuing him just a little bit higher than I am. Like I end up like missing out on him and taking like Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger instead in most of my drafts. Yeah, and those names you just mentioned are guys I like because, A, where you can get them in drafts and, B, just that consistent nature. I love out of the quarterback positions. Give me somebody consistent that I can trust. And I think Cousins is very good, but you mentioned a lot of important things there. He's in a new location, and you got you don't really know how that's all going to intertwine there. Yes, Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph, great targets. You know, Cook can catch it a bit out of the backfield. So can Latavius Murray. All the weapons are there, but it's just like how are they going to scheme it? How are they going to do these things? And that's a very interesting question to uh, break down. And then the last part about the running uh, really is an interesting factor there because Keenan ran when he had to, but Cook was also out. And Cook is a bruising back. So definitely something to think about there. I agree. Let's talk about his replacement. Oh, yeah. One more thing. I was going to say my other issue with him is just the fact that Minnesota's defense is probably going to be a lot better than Washington's defense. So he might not need to throw as much. And that's something else we need to keep in mind. Now, with that said, I think that's generally an overblown like way to analyze a quarterback. Like typically, if a quarterback's defense is good, that just means more possessions for that quarterback, better field position for that quarterback. And so you might not get quite as many, uh, you know, uh, passing yards week to week, but you're going to increase your scoring opportunities and, and all that stuff. So I think that's kind of a it's too hard to evaluate a player based upon that alone. It is something to keep in mind, though, that perhaps maybe there'll be more positive game scripts for him where he'll be more inclined to hand it off than to keep chucking it. Not just that is Washington really never had that go-to back. It seemed like for a full season to, to, to give it to. So definitely something to look at there. Let's go to Washington. His replacement coming from Kansas city, Alex Smith. And boy, did he get paid to come play there in, in Washington. And Smith had a great year last year. Definitely some things. I'll let you throw the stats out there, but how are we looking at him in Washington this year? Yeah, I mean, the big hurdle for him is just living up to those expectations he just set, right? Like 2017 was kind of an outlier for Alex Smith. He led the league in interception rate, only 1%. 
led the league in adjusted yards per attempt, 8.6. He led the league in quarterback rating, 104.7. All of those finishes were career bests. He similarly set career highs in touchdown passes with 26, and he set a career high in passing yards by a wide margin. His total of 4,042 yards being 540 more than his previous high the, in 2016. Uh, on a per-game basis, Smith averaged almost 270 yards per game in 2017, which is well above the previous career mark he had of about 234 yards per game. And, you know, moving to Washington does represent a downgrade in receiving talent. With that said, the coach, Jay Gruden, has made a lot of lemonade with Washington's lemons in the past few seasons. You know, like the weapons there haven't been that good, but Kirk Cousins was still successful. This is going to be a really interesting litmus test to kind of say, like, coach versus quarterback, what matters more? Like, was it Cousins that was propping those guys up or was it Jay Gruden in his system? Uh, Generally, I tend to lean towards giving the players credit. But I, I do think Jay Gruden is a good coach. I do think his offense is good. So I think some optimism is warranted with Smith. But he's essentially been a league average passer just until last year. So you have to expect some sort of reversion towards him being that type of player again. I, I Yeah, he's a tough one. He's definitely like on brand for 2QBs. Like we love Alex Smith at 2QBs.com. But I, and, and I like him. I've been drafting him a lot. But I'm still a little worried that he might just because he's not going to live up to last year's expectations. People are going to call him a bust. It's just a matter of setting reasonable expectations, right? Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the part about Gruden. He's been really, really good and really successful with quarterbacks that, you know, when they show up to play for him might not have had the success he'd had, they'd had previously. So that's worked out really well. Um, you're getting Alex Smith 20th quarterback off the board, going about and pick 127. So ninth, 10th, 11th round, give or take your, your league size. And and that's not horrible. And he's going well behind some of the guys that we've already mentioned. We'll talk more about later, but you know, Josh Doxson is now hurt, which sucks. Um, he's leaving, you know, Tyree kill and those weapons there with Kelsey. You don't know if Jordan Reed's going to be healthy. You basically got Jamison Crowder. They paid Paul Richardson a bunch of, bunch of money. Chris Thompson's banged up. He's your receiving back. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out there. Yeah, who, which receiver are you targeting out of that core? Because I've had a hard time kind of parsing through that. Like, I don't trust Jordan Reed to stay healthy ever again. Like, he's just one of those players for me now. So, yeah, who, who are you looking at in that receiving core to kind of be the workhorse? I really like Jameson Crowder. I liked him before. I liked him last year with uh, Cousins. I You could get him a lot cheaper last year, and he's still not going that expensive right now. Like You can get him at a pretty reasonable value. I think he's going to be very, very good. But if you want to go off the board – you know, it, it sounds cliche, but they paid Paul Richardson for a reason. They gave him like five years, $40 million. That's a big paycheck for a guy that was kind of an in-between, you know, second and third option in Seattle last year. So he got paid, and you'd imagine they're going to want to go that direction. But I do like Jameson Crowder. I know he's their number one. I think he's a really, really good receiver. Yeah, Richardson's a tough one for me because the camp reports on him haven't been good. And while I don't really subscribe to positive camp reports – Negative ones kind of catch my eye a little bit more. And we can't forget the fact that he got to play with Russell Wilson last year, right? He's going to look a lot better because he's playing with an elite QB. Alex Smith is not Russell Wilson. I'm with you on Crowder. I think he's the guy to own. And if you end up in your draft starting really running back heavy, I think Crowder, especially in like a PPR format, is going to be a really nice guy in those middle rounds to kind of catch you back up at receiver. I like him a lot too. Yeah, because if, you know, for those that, 
know the younger Pierre Garçon and even the older one, he reminds me a lot of him, like a great possession type guy. He's not going to always streak down the field, but by the end of the game, he's going to have like eight catches for like 70 yards. And in the PPR league, he's just going to be huge. Yep. Love it though. All right. Last guy we're going to talk about new face and new place. And it completes the circle of these three teams. It's Case Keenum leaving Minnesota and going to Denver. And um, right now he's going 26 off the board, 179. He had those great weapons in Minnesota last year. Goes to Denver, and people are hoping he rejuvenates a few weapons there. What's your thoughts on Case Keenan going to Denver? Yeah, man, circle of life here with these quarterbacks. You're going to, like, drop in the Lion King theme song underneath this as I talk? <laughs> I'm going to hold, um, hold, one, hold one of them up. <laughs> hold Case Keenum up over your head? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I mean, Case Keenum is weird. Like, because I play so much two quarterback, I sometimes have a hard time disassociating, like, a surprisingly good season like Keenum's 2017 from an actually good season. He only scored 16.2 points per game through week 16 last year. That was 15th best among QBs. So he's kind of just a middle of the road guy and his underlying stats point toward a lot more mediocrity than a true breakout. If you compare to other quarterbacks at his age, you know, 28 to 30 years old since 2010, Keenum compares best to like Jay Cutler Jason Campbell, Kyle Orton, and, and Brian Hoyer. Um, all of those guys had a yards per attempt marks around 7.2, adjusted yards per attempt marks around 6.9 within that age range. So, I mean, that worries me. But I, I think Keenum's fine. His starting role is really likely safe. Although, you know, sidebar, I really like Chad Kelly as a deep sleeper in two quarterback formats, just as a, you know, because the Denver Broncos did not pay up for a QB in the draft. That makes me think that they – they trust Kelly to at least be a competent backup because we know Lynch isn't that guy. Paxton yeah, Lynch. I was like, Lynch is horrible. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, anyway, like back to Keenum, we just can't go overboard with projecting more improvement from him after, you know, last year's semi-breakout. Like we can, I think, expect more of the same in that like 14 to 17 points per game range. Like he's, like game manager gets thrown around too much. I don't think that's fair, like because he's, he was like an, an awesome college quarterback, like broke all sorts of records in, in the collegiate ranks. So there's definitely like reason for optimism, but again, like there are so many usable and good quarterbacks. I think that the Denver receivers are a little overrated. Like I like Emmanuel Sanders. I like Demarius Thomas, but Thomas especially is not the player he used to be. So like people who want to port case Keenum saying like, Oh, well he had Diggs and Thielen. Now he has Sanders and Thomas. He'll be fine. Like, I don't buy that quite as much. So I think he's okay, but he's still one of the lower tier starters that I'm looking at. Now, with that said, I'm still drafting him a ton. Like I got him in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, like he's, he's a guy that I'm okay with. I just temper your expectations. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Like in a super flex two QB league, I think he's a really good, like third quarterback to have around that you could throw in when you need him. What do you think? Do you like him as a second quarterback or more so as a third? Yeah, I'd want him to be my QB three. Um, I generally want to get all three of my quarterbacks from within like the top 25 or the top 26 of the position. And definitely I want my top two in that range. And preferably I want like my top two out of the top 20. Uh, And after that, like I'm more, depending upon how good those first two starters are, I might be more willing to dive deeper for for my QB three because I tend to wait at the position I end up getting guys who are more middle of the road in the first place. So I'm more likely to pay up more for my QB three. But with that said, it all kind of depends on the pace of how the quarterbacks get picked in your particular draft. And so there are plenty of two QB drafts where, you know, it's time for me to draft my QB three in case Keenum is the best guy available. So I take him. Um, So yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable with him there, but I'd rather not have him as my QB two. Gotcha. Okay. 
Let's talk about those rookie quarterbacks. It was a big year for rookies in the draft. Five taken in the first round. You're doing all kinds of craziness to the draft. The number one pick, one Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma, goes to the Cleveland Browns, who were very, very active this offseason, defensively and more so offensively, getting all kinds of new weapons for him here. It is interesting when you look at their depth chart right now. They have Landry as the number one, nobody in the number two spot, and then like 12 guys in the third spot. So they can't figure out that one yet. But we're talking Baker Mayfield, and he's right now backing up Tyrod Taylor. What's your thoughts on Mayfield? Yeah, this is a tough situation because, you know, all of the camp reports coming out of there is, is Hugh Jackson basically saying, like, Tyrod's a starter, Tyrod's a starter. How many times can I say a Tyrod's a starter? Get used to it. But, you know, the track record of number one overall quarterback picks suggests that Baker Mayfield is going to start sooner rather than later. Quarterbacks who were picked first overall in the NFL draft uh, typically don't ride the bench. Uh, since 2008, those players have averaged a, a 13 and a half starts uh, in year one. So, like, the track record says that Mayfield is going to get in there and it's not going to take him very long. But, I mean, I like Tyrod Taylor, as especially as a fantasy player. And because the reports out of camp are so glowing, like, that he's, like, doing all the right things, that he's managing the offense well, that he's getting – that he's mentoring Baker Mayfield, like, that sort of, like – I don't know, like cachet or whatever you want to call it, like that sort of social capital that he's building up, like it's probably going to matter. And so while I maybe would have had Mayfield penciled in for like 13 starts a month ago, like now I might be more on the like eight to 10 starts wagon. Like I think that that's, a, um, that's how it's going to play out, but we don't really know. And with that in mind, like because the track record of first overall picks is so strong, I think Mayfield is actually a little undervalued in drafts, especially two quarterback. I mean, only in two quarterback, I should say, because that's the only place you really have to worry about drafting a player like that. But um, if you're in a one QB league, I don't think you can take him. I think you have to assume that Tyrod Taylor is going to start the year as uh, the number one QB. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's upside with Mayfield. It just it's a matter of when he gets on the field. That's it. Yeah, I completely agree. He's like you said, they took him number one for a reason. They want to bring him on sooner than later. I think after the first big losing streak, like three or four games, I think it's going to be Baker Mayfield time. But Tyrod's good enough to keep him with this new team in play. They could be very interesting. So eventually, yes, it's going to be his club, and he's very accurate and a very good passer. So it'll be be fun to watch him once he's there. But like all these guys we're going to talk about, we don't know when it's going to be. We think they're all going to play eventually, but it's a matter of if and when. So let's go to the New York Jets. Sam Darnold sitting there. He's their third-string quarterback at the moment. Got paid earlier this week, so he's now fully in camp, participating in drills and everything. He's behind Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. So what do we think about Sam Darnold? Because at a USC, people really liked him. I didn't. I wasn't that impressed with him in his last year in college. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same story as with Mayfield. Like, the, the draft capital has to matter to some extent. Um, Bridgewater's only signed to a one-year deal. We know that Josh McCown is not the long-term answer. So it's a pretty safe bet that Darnold's going to become the starter there at some point. Um, I gave that stat about QBs drafted first overall. Uh, quarterbacks who are drafted in the top 10 since 2008 have started an average of 12.4 games in year one. So there's a good chance that Darnold's going to start 10-plus games. And with that in mind, he's probably got to be the first Jets QB you draft if you're going to draft a Jets QB. Uh, now, with that said, like, I don't want to be that guy, right? Like, I don't want to be the guy who has to pay up for uh, or, or pay pay down. I mean, pay for a Jets quarterback <laughs> at any point in my draft. So, yeah, I think I think he's a good bet to start the majority of games, but it's not like they have great weapons. He's probably going to lose some time to McCown and or Bridgewater. Uh, temporary expectations, but, you know, at some point during the season, maybe you stream him, maybe you play him in DFS. So, like, keep an eye on him. It's It's just a matter of time before he's the guy. 
Yeah, Darnold's definitely a DFS option once he gets there because Josh McCown was always cheap, and I loved him towards the end of last year. So the, the Jets somehow, if it's because it's garbage time or whatever it is, they come into play at DFS. That's definitely a good point with him. Um, let's talk about another top 10 pick in Josh Rosen going to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, this was one of the more polarizing selections in the first round quarterback-wise, as many were not high on him or you either loved him as one or the other. But he's there behind A.J. McCarron and good old Nathan Peterman, which is a great twosome to be behind. What's your thoughts on Josh Allen? Yeah, I mean, despite being the most panned prospect among the rookie quarterbacks, I think Allen might be the best bet to start all 16 games for his team just because McCarron and uh, Peterman are you know not that good. Uh, I, I just don't think the Bills have very good options there. So Allen, because he's, in theory, the quarterback of the future, like they spent a draft pick and they traded up to – make that draft pick like the writings on the wall that they want him to be the guy. Um, it's just, we don't know if he can be that. Now, if you want to take an optimistic view of him um, and you want to maybe think about how he would fit into that bill's offense in a good way, uh, we can manufacture some optimism for him based on his skills. Like uh, there are a couple articles over at two QBs.com last week, uh, one by Chris Allen and one by Derek Klassen. Uh, they kind of, you know, look at, potential avenues to usability for him. And one of the things that uh, Derek Klassen specifically pointed out was Josh Allen's ability to potentially be used as a rusher. Uh, like he has a big frame. He's pretty athletic. We we know he's not a very good passer, so maybe they'll use him on more designed runs, on more uh, RPOs, run pass options. And running is sneaky effective for fantasy QBs. So if you can you know find the right weeks where he's going to have that opportunity – you know, again, on a streaming basis in DFS or, you know, maybe just when one of your two quarterback league guys is on by, you have to plug somebody in. Allen could still be usable, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who has to figure that out, you know? No, I'm with you there. I, I need to see some and see some out of him. And most of these rookie guys, it's going to be DFS. That's a whole different game. Season long wise, it's going to, I'll probably just sit and watch this year if it comes down to it and go from there. But, um, yeah, if I had to pick any, and even the next couple we're going to talk about here, if I had to pick one to start from day one, I completely agree. Because when you talk about A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman trying to stop you, I literally just look good in camp, and they're going to want to play you over those two guys. So I agree with you there. It could be very interesting and see that rocket of an arm out there in Buffalo. All right, let's talk about uh, the last of the four early first-round picks, Josh Rosen going to Arizona. And out of all the top four picks, he's, many liked him the best. But also, he goes to a situation where with Sam Bradford starting, we know Bradford can control a game and keep a team in it, and they need to win now because a lot of their guys are getting older. I could see him having the hardest time getting on the field. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Rosen has that college pedigree that you would want to see. Uh, he slid a little bit in the draft, so that's a little bit concerning. But with that said, like he's definitely the future for Arizona at the quarterback position. I think he'll be useful at some point. It, it's kind of difficult to project when that will happen because it's all based upon Sam Bradford's injury. Like I'm a little lower on Rosen than most, I think, if only because I think a lot of people are treating a Bradford injury as a foregone conclusion. Like it's kind of funny how like if you ask anybody, when do you think Sam Bradford will get hurt? It'll be like, you know, preseason game three or whatever, you know, it's like, they're not even looking to the regular season at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like this is another one that I kind of want to stay away from because even if Rosen gets in there, the Cardinals offensive line is not good. And that could, you know, spell trouble for a guy who was not very mobile in college. Uh, like that's another knock on Rosen, despite, you know, 
his perceived advantages in like processing speed and, you know, that kind of NFL offense readiness. Like if you don't have time to throw, it doesn't matter. Like he's, he's going to get torn apart by opposing defenses behind that line. Once he gets in there, there's that, that's what I expect. And I mean, that's another reason to maybe expect a Sam Bradford injury. Sure. I get it. But um, I don't know. I'm just not really interested in the Cardinals weapons. Like I'd much rather just hope that I can land David Johnson and, and that's it. Like that's the only real piece in that offense I want. Gotcha. Not a not a problem at all. Let's talk about the last rookie quarterback. We some who decided to watch the Hall of Fame game last night got to see him in action. I'll be honest, didn't watch a second of it. <laughs> but um, Lamar Jackson, who the Ravens traded up to get the last pick in the first round to take to make him a first rounder, uh, many want him to play over the Mister Elite Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco seems to not want to help out a lot with teach Lamar Jackson. It's a very interesting dynamic there, and they've already come out saying they're going to run packages for Lamar. So what's your thoughts on him? Because he might be the soonest viable fantasy quarterback. Yeah, I was watching the Hall of Fame game out of the corner of my eye while I was recording some other podcasts last night. And, I mean, Jackson definitely made some mistakes. Uh, his offensive line didn't do him a ton of help, uh, speaking of offensive line problems. But, again, he was running yeah. behind, like, you know, the, the second or third stringers most likely. Like, I, I wasn't really paying attention to who was on the field for him, but – Anyway, like I I didn't have a ton of optimism for him at first, but then seeing these reports about how the Ravens are creating packages to get him involved alongside Joe Flacco, that's got me more intrigued about Lamar Jackson. And and it's not necessarily that I want to see Jackson lined up in the backfield or in the slot or wherever as, you know, a complimentary piece. I just simply like the fact that Baltimore is showing a willingness to kind of change their offense to accommodate a talented player. Because if Flacco does continue to, you know, perform as like a replacement level player, like he has the past few seasons, I can kind of trust that the Ravens are going to have the confidence to move forward with a complete offensive overhaul, you know, a philosophy shift that's going to incorporate Lamar Jackson and, and amplify his strengths, you know, not only as a runner, but as a passer. And I think the RG3 signing has a little bit to do with that. Like we can read into that a little bit. It's like, they have two quarterbacks on the roster that are completely different than Joe Flacco. And again, just reading tea leaves here, like it seems like they know that their offense is going to have to change when Jackson gets in there. And the fact that they're already playing around with that makes me think that they're getting ready to get him in there and start playing. Um, the, The real thing with all these rookies, you know, Jackson and all the other ones we talked about is that practice time and game time are really so limited for quarterbacks that you can't really screw around for too long with them, like getting second team reps or third team reps. Like you, if you want them to play like in a year, you kind of need to start prepping them for that a year ahead of time. And so I think that this, what's going on with the Ravens is a really good indicator that Lamar Jackson is somebody that they view as the long-term answer, despite, you know, Flacco's Super Bowl ring, uh, despite the fact that he started so many games in a row, like, yeah, Jackson's really fascinating. I was I was low on him at first, but I'm definitely coming around. Like, I think that of these rookies, like, if you're set at the QB position, like in a two-QB league, and like maybe you have three guys already and you want to take a QB four, like I would definitely take Jackson for the upside over any of these other rookie quarterbacks, and I don't think it's close. No, I like that a lot. And you mentioned they're kind of game planning for him. And, you know, RG3's in there. They brought uh, the coach in that used to coach Michael Vick, who knows how to run the offense. We got to remember also um, he uh, there is a certain last name of the head coach named Harbaugh who has done this before with quarterbacks yep. and athletic quarterbacks, so it wouldn't be a first. And the I'm with you when he was drafted. I'm thinking 
okay, what are you doing? Flacco's got another year on his deal. What do you like? Blah, 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 blah. Didn't even register with me. And now same thing reports coming out much more intriguing. Like literally one injury away and, and Jackson's like a, least a very usable quarterback. Mostly. So I don't want to put a ranking on him, but very, very good looking quarterback. Yeah, totally. All agree. right. Let's talk about some other key. Let's talk about some other QBs down the list here and um, kind of hit on uh, some of the bigger names and then deeper ones. Drew Brees, who is as consistent as they come year after year, still still going to be throwing it around and doing great. Currently the seventh quarterback off the board. Like we said earlier, I'd have him ahead of Wentz and some others. What's your thoughts on Drew Brees? Yeah, I mean, he was the king of consistency until he wasn't last year. But even in 2017, he was still hyper-efficient. And coming into 2018, we really shouldn't expect the Saints to score as many rushing touchdowns as they did, especially with Mark Ingram suspended for the first few games of the season. Their receiver group has gotten better. They added Cameron Meredith. And believe it or not, Ben Watson is actually an upgrade for them at tight end. I think I'm with you. I think Breeze is poised for a bounce back, uh, potentially up to top five status. And he's regularly available later than that. Like, I would also draft him ahead of Wentz, ahead of Watson. I mean, even if Breeze doesn't hit the top five, he's pretty much guaranteed for, like, a top ten finish just based upon who he is, what that offense does, and, you know, the weapons around him. Like, I'm all in on Breeze, too. He's a guy who I am a little bit more willing to pay up for, if only because he's sliding behind guys in drafts that I have ranked lower. And when that starts to happen, that's when I want to pounce on my QBs. Yeah. I think he's a very good gal. Definitely brings that floor. He's running back one and a half in Carolina, and he's a very, very talented running back. We're talking Cam Newton. He's going ahead of Breeze, actually, right now, six QB off the board. What's your thoughts on Cam? Yeah, I'm, I'm with that, actually. I have Cam one spot ahead of Breeze in my rankings. I think somehow he's still undervalued. He's, you know, as consistent a producer as any quarterback. Uh, I've already mentioned how he tied with Russell Wilson for the most top 20 fantasy weeks over the past four years. Uh, You know, 48 total, 12 per season. 84.2% of his games end up in the top 20. So super consistent, like in a two QB league, like you want that player. Um, He ranks fifth in that span for top 10 finishes as well. So the ceiling is there. Uh, 25 top 10 finishes. In that span, uh, almost 44% of his games, that's behind only Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. So, again, like he's a ceiling play on top of having the floor, which is pretty awesome. Um, and, and like Brees, he's one of those guys who's regularly sliding behind Watson and Wentz. And whenever that happens, like I'm looking to maybe draft my QBs a little earlier than normal uh, because that's that's value. That's the definition of value. Like if I think that a guy is ranked higher than people who have been drafted before – it's time to get on it and, and draft a QB. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Cam, I, I was so happy last year. I got Cam uh, as like my backup to someone else in the 10th or 11th round because people were so worried about his injury and all that. And that was a, a blessing in disguise, but um, not going to happen this year, unfortunately. Let's uh, talk Patrick Mahomes replacing Alex Smith in Kansas City, the second year QB. Many have high hopes for her, some Andy Reid clips uh yesterday and he's very very pumped on Patrick Mahomes what's your thoughts on Patrick Mahomes so this is where like Alex Smith was uh Mufasa who died right now we're gonna hold up Pat Mahomes Rafiki's got him up on the ledge you hear the music in the background like and and people are that excited about Patrick Mahomes it's happening and we can kind of read into those tea leaves with Smith's departure like 
Kansas City wanted to move forward with Mahomes. So we shouldn't assume that he's going to be worse than Alex Smith just because he's a second-year player. On the other hand, like I really don't expect Mahomes to attempt the same number of passes that Smith did last year. Uh, since 2010, the average second-year quarterback with at least 10 starts only passed about 460 times for about 3,200 yards. And compare that to Smith last season, again, had over 4,000 yards on over 500 attempts. And if we look at the top 10 quarterbacks from last season, six of them, uh, six of the top 10 passed for at least 3,900 yards on about 550 pass attempts. So expecting like a big jump up in volume from Mahomes to compete on that sort of level is a bit of a stretch for me. I think that, you know, a bad Chiefs defense should help Mahomes have more pass attempts like than the average second year quarterback. I just don't think he's going to get to the level that Smith was at last year. So the question is whether or not he can be efficient and smart enough with the football to translate all of his the attempts that he does get into high-end fantasy production. And I, I think that that's a little bit concerning. Like we've already seen a lot of reports out of camp saying he's throwing a ton of interceptions. And rightfully so, Andy Reader's responded saying, like, I don't care about that. It's just practice, which kudos to Andy Reid for like being candid about that not mattering. But um, I, I don't know. We still have to be a little bit more measured in how we perceive Mahomes. Like we can't just assume he's going to be a breakout. Like we tried to do that with Marcus Mariota last year. Uh, I don't think it's fair to put that sort of, you know, burden on a second year player in terms of fantasy expectations. But the upside is definitely there. Like he's the type of player who I think is going to have a bunch of really like high scoring weeks and then like a handful of duds to go with it. And if we can figure out how to predict that week to week, that's going to be really huge for DFS. That's going to make him a really good best ball player. But in terms of like week to week seasonal leagues, that's where I think he might be a little frustrating. If you have to decide when to start him and when not to start him, you might have you know, some weeks where he just throws three picks and only, you know, 180 yards and no TDs and you're just screwed. Like that, that might happen with him. And I think we have to keep that in mind when we're trying to assign like a value to him in drafts. Let's have some fun with this. Would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or Jared Goff? Oh, Mahomes, easy. Like I'm, I'm out on Goff. Goff is a, a player I do not like. What about Mahomes and Marcus Mariota? Uh, in that case, I'll take Mariota. Like I think the fact that he has more experience, the fact that we've seen him be an elite and efficient producer in previous seasons, like before 2017, like Mariota is one of the guys I'm higher on than most. Uh, I, I like him a lot this season. Yeah, I like the improved offense that they're supposed to have. In Tennessee, it should be pretty nice. Uh, what about Mahomes and Derek Carr? That's that's close. Like, I'm not really a Derek Carr guy. I would still take Mahomes over him for the upside and under the assumption that, like, as a good fantasy manager, I can pick the right spots to bench Mahomes. With that said, that's always easier said than done. You know, it's, it's not that easy to play matchups in fantasy. Uh, we think it is. We want to say it is, but it isn't. Um, and I will admit that I might be undervaluing Carr. He's, he's one of the toughest evaluations for me, but I would still yeah. take Mahomes mostly based upon the weapons around him and the fact that I kind of I trust Andy Reid. Yeah, Carr is one of those that I just can't figure out. He was so good two years ago, really struggled last year. You know, all the reports about Jordy Nelson make you want to believe more in him to go with Cooper. It's a tough one. Um, yeah, like you said, a lot of the reports are going to be good right now. You want to focus more on the negative reports, but Carr's going to be one of those that might might surprise some people this year at the same time. We shall see. Last one I want to compare him to because this one is really interesting to me because everyone loves the new offense in Chicago, Mahomes or Trubisky. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Mahomes still. Uh I don't know. 
really how to differentiate because like we're kind of looking at the same things here with both players like expecting a big uptick I mean with Mahomes we don't have the track record at least with Trubisky we got to see him a little bit last year albeit in a John Fox offense uh, again I, I kind of bring it back to the weapons and I and I it's kind of that's not really fair of me to do I suppose because the Bears have really improved their offense like they brought in Allen Robinson and Trey Burton but in general like receivers that change teams in the offense or in the offseason don't tend to perform that well in year one. And so I do have those concerns about Robinson and also about, you know, Trey Burton to some extent. Um, I just think that Mahomes is a better QB prospect than Trubisky, despite the draft capital discrepancy between the two. And so with that in mind, like I'm just going to go on the guy I think is more talented. And I think that's Mahomes. Okay. Let's move on to a couple of veterans that are floor guys that I absolutely love. And every now and then have those big weeks, especially one of them out of Pittsburgh, talking big Ben's going 12th QB off the board. And then Phillips Rivers, the 16th QB off the board, two of the more consistent year after year fantasy quarterbacks you have out there. What are your thoughts on those two veterans? Yeah, I really like this comparison because they're, while they're kind of in the same range and we kind of regard them in the same way in terms of fantasy, they're pretty different players. Like, I've been ending up with Roethlisberger a lot, mostly because I think people are just bored of drafting him and they just don't like him, the, the personality of Ben Roethlisberger. But he's one of the best ceiling producers available kind of outside the top tier of quarterbacks. Uh, over the past three seasons since 2015, uh, 50% of his weeks have been top 10. That's behind only Rodgers, Luck, Brady, and Wilson of the QBs who played all those seasons. Like Deshaun Watson did it last year, but again, small sample size alert. Um and, and that makes sense, right? We know that Roethlisberger has exaggerated home, runs, home road splits. He has some of the best offensive weapons and football at his disposal. Like, he's going to give you those big spike weeks, and I, I love that as a fantasy owner. Rivers is kind of the opposite. Like, people are tired of drafting him, too, like they are with Big Ben. Um, but, you know, generally, Rivers doesn't have that same ceiling, or he hasn't shown it, at least, over the past few seasons. He's a steady compiler with a safe floor, but he doesn't pop with those big weeks often enough for me to be like excited to draft him. So I'm usually ending up with uh, Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford kind of ahead of Rivers. And, you know, that that generally means that I'm going to miss out on Rivers because if I'm taking those other guys, by the time it gets back to me, you know, the way QB runs work in two quarterback drafts, Rivers is going to get scooped up there in the shuffle if he hasn't gone already, right? Um, but yeah, kind of to illustrate that lack of ceiling again, over the past three seasons, Rivers' rate of top 10 weekly finishes is only 33.3%, so a third of his games. That's less than Alex Smith, less than Josh McCown, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, Blake Bortles, Dak Prescott, and not to mention all the other like more prolific passers that are out there. So in terms of like that high-end upside, Rivers hasn't shown it recently, and that is worrisome to me. Now, as a QB2, uh, if especially if I have like a more volatile guy like Roethlisberger as my QB1 or Deshaun Watson – then maybe I want that steady producer uh, of Rivers. But um, again, he's not a guy I'm ending up with because I tend to shade more towards the ceiling plays. No, that makes total sense. That's what. That's the part I love about about uh, Phil is the consistency, just that flourish is great. But yeah, if you want the boom kind of guy, he's not your guy at all. He'll do it like twice a year when Keenan Allen goes for like 250 yards. That's about, yep. that's about all you're going to get out of him. You mentioned Matt Ryan there. I know he's not on the outline, but I'm curious because he had a down year last year in his first year in the Sarkeesian offense, and people are saying, you know, big bounce back coming. Drafted a big-time rookie wide receiver to go with Julio Jones. Jones just got a new little deal put in place that should make him a little I wouldn't they back more towards that season. Sorry, you broke up there. Can you say that again? 
Oh, sorry. Sorry. What's your thoughts on Matt Ryan? Because, you know, he's got his second year out of the Sarkeesian offense, got a new wide receiver in Ridley to go with Julio. Do we get to see more of the 2016 Ryan or is it going to be 2017? Yeah, I think 2016 is a, is a more fair expectation. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's going to go up to those heights again necessarily, but you have to like the fact that they've added more pieces on the offense and you have to like just the continuity, right? Um, we don't necessarily know if we like Steve Sarkeesian's offense, but just having another year in that system, like more time to adapt to it, more time to kind of let Sarkeesian get his feet under himself. Like I think there's reason for optimism with Matt Ryan and like Rivers, like Roethlisberger, we kind of know what to expect at a base level, like uh, at his floor, like Matt Ryan, we know what we're going to get. And, and that predict that predictability matters to me. Like I, I look for that from my fantasy quarterbacks. So yeah, he's a guy who I'm ending up with a fair amount. Um, I tend to draft Roethlisberger and Stafford ahead of him uh, and uh, among, you know, the, the higher picks too. But like, I don't know when, when I miss out on those guys, Ryan is a, a fine constellation. I think that he could very well outperform either of those dudes. No, I like that a lot. And Stafford's another guy I really do like, uh, and I think he gets overlooked quite a bit and kind of the people, they start with like the big boys and they kind of overlook him to go to the, the Roethlisberger's of the world. So I do like some Stafford quite a bit. Let's talk about the fun one. Um, by us he's coming out of new england everyone's in love with him jimmy g what do we think with jimmy g because in reality he won games but he wasn't the best fantasy quarterback last year yeah i'm not too worried about what he did in that small sample size last year like again like i'm fading deshaun watson because last year wasn't enough evidence for me to feel like i got a good you know feel for him um garoppolo is kind of the same way like he didn't throw a whole lot of touchdown passes but that stuff can always revert to the mean, right? We can always see some regression in that way. And and I like him. I, I like the look of the 49ers offense. My problem with Garoppolo is just the price. Like QB9 and ADP is overly optimistic. I just can't justify paying that price ahead of more proven passers like Roethlisberger, Stafford, Ryan. Uh, Andrew Luck is often going behind Garoppolo. Even Marcus Mariota, who we talked about. Like Garoppolo just doesn't have that track record yet for me to be comfortable taking him over those guys. I mean, the, the real lesson we should take away from all that, all this analysis, like all the different quarterbacks we've talked about, especially in these middle tiers, is that the guys are really close. Like we don't have to worry too much about trying to differentiate. We just wait for the other people in our drafts to pick them and make the decisions for us. Um, and in a two quarterback league, that's harder because you have to, you know, kind of play around the runs and anticipate the runs to some extent and get out in front of them. But in a one quarterback league, you really don't have to draft one. Like, I mean, and and I mean that like literally, like you do not have to draft a quarterback. Like you could just draft only running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. And then, you know, before week one, just go to the waiver wire, drop your worst, you know, bench guy to pick up a QB. Like that's, it's as simple as that. Now, will I do that in every one quarterback league? No, like I'm still going to try to find value at the position if I can, but these guys are all super close and we don't really have to worry about differentiating between them other than when it comes to price. And when we see Garoppolo going that high, it's too high relative to these other guys, and we know to avoid him. It's as simple as that. Um, You mentioned how they're so close, and I agree. It's almost like once you get to, say, Tier 3, there's going to be like 10 or so of these quarterbacks where literally you can wait till like there's two left, and then it'll grab one if you want to. Um, If, you know, without giving away all your rankings – What's kind of the the last man standing which you'd like to pick if you are guaranteeing you're leaving your draft with a quarterback? Yeah, so one quarterback, like I want to try to get somebody from like the top 
20, like the top 18, which again means that I can basically wait as long as I want and end up with somebody like Mahomes, like Dak Prescott, like even Jameis Winston. And, and while Winston isn't going to start the years as the number one guy there, I mean, he's going to be suspended. Like because there are no buys in the first few weeks, it's really easy to replace him in a one QB league. Um, in a two quarterback league, like the lowest I'm willing to wait for my QB one is probably like that Mariota Rivers area, you know, after, you know, Stafford, Roethlisberger and Ryan are gone. Like I'd rather, I want my QB one to be like kind of in that range. And if I wait that long on my QB one, I'm probably going to take my QB two really soon after that, probably with the next pick. Um, yeah. I mean, but in terms of like guys that I'd be okay starting, like if we really want to scrape the bottom of the barrel, I think you can go all the way down to my QB 27 at Ryan Tannehill, like in a two quarterback league, if he's your, nice. if he's your QB three, like, I think that's fine. Like if he's your QB two, you're in trouble, but you can still get by with that because his job is secure. Like there's nobody on that depth chart that's going to push Ryan Tannehill for time. I'm curious to hear your take on him as a Dolphins fan, because we haven't seen him in so long and he used to have some rushing upside. Like we know that he's had these leg injuries now and that, that could sap that away. I mean, he is startable though, right? Like in DFS, maybe streaming during the season, like we can use Tannehill and select matchups, we're not going to go over the mood for him, but he's fine, right? Going, he's definitely fine, and he's, and he's a streamable DFS option. I completely agree with you there because they are going to throw him in that offense. Gase likes to throw the ball, the quick kind of routes, like you saw with Cutler in Chicago. Um, they are going to try to pound the rock a lot with Kenyon Drake and company, but there's a lot of dump-offs to running backs as well. Uh, I think the big question will be is how mobile is he going to be? All reports, again, are good. You know, the knee's great. He's reacting well. He's taking hits. He's suited up on day one. All the things you want to hear. But until I see a game action where, you know, uh, a 290-pound defensive end comes around the corner and trucks him and then he gets right back up, then I'll feel a little better about life. Yeah. But um, he's definitely a guy. Like, we've seen games out of him that are great. Um, and these matchups will be really interesting. So I do like him as a, as a, a guy you can definitely stream, yes. Yeah, and I think ultimately what what you should really look for from a streamer, like if you're going to be that barrel scraper uh, in your league, is is look at that early season schedule. Now, I don't know it off the top of my head for Tannehill or, or basically anybody yet. I haven't gotten to that point uh, in my drafting season to where I need to worry about it. Uh, but in a one-quarterback league, if you're looking to stream, like look for good matchups in the early weeks because that's all you're looking for when you're streaming is you want a, a good matchup um, that's going to be harder to know than – Again, like it's harder to know that than we might expect. Like it's it's harder to play matchups than than we might think. But we can still make informed decisions. We can still kind of read the tea leaves to know which defenses are, are going to be worse than others, at least to start the year. Um, we won't always be right. But again, like that's just the nature of streaming in the first place. Exactly. A couple more guys I want to ask about. Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, had a really good early campaign around the NFL and now he's lost a lot of his weapons and the receiving core is very interesting looking and he's got Dak who's supposed to do more in the passing game. Some are starting to, to jump back on the Dak wagon. Some just want nothing to do with him. What are you thinking about Dak? Yeah, he, he was one of the tougher evaluations for me this season too. Um, I, for some reason, like I thought back to, to his 2017 and I remembered him being really bad 
And when I went back and looked at the stats a little more carefully, I realized he was actually decent. Like he wasn't that bad. There was just more recency bias because he kind of floundered at the end of the season. Right. And that's stuff that we need to try to avoid as fantasy owners. Like we, we need to look at the whole body of work and we need to project forward based upon new circumstances. Now the new circumstances there, as you've noted, are not great. Like, the receiving core is is not full of names that we're super excited about, like Michael Gallup, Alan Hearns. But with that said, Dak does provide that rushing production, which you know cements like a really solid floor for him. Like I think it's really going to be like the Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott show in Dallas, and it kind of doesn't matter who he's throwing to. I think they're just going to have to spread it out. Like he's going to have to throw some to Gallup, some to Cole Beasley, some to Alan Hearns some to whoever their tight end ends up, ends up being, and a lot to Zeke out of the backfield. And while I don't think you're necessarily going to want his receivers, you might still be okay with him because if he puts up, you know, 240 yards per game with one passing touchdown and 40 rushing yards, like those 40 rushing yards equate to a passing touchdown, right? And with that in mind, I think that he's like kind of an undervalued player. He's kind of a safe or predictable player, like we talked about earlier. I have him ranked at QB 17, kind of in that same range as Mahomes and Jameis Winston uh, and Alex Smith. Like, I think that he's fine. I'm just not super excited about him because the ceiling isn't really going to be there unless he goes really, you know, nuts with the rushing production. And that that could happen based on his weapons, uh, but I'm not going to bank on that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense there. All right. Before we wrap it up, I want to give you the floor. Talk to us about your big QB, like higher than most. The big quarterback I like higher than most. Yeah, I'm gonna give you the floor because there's one you really, really like. Yeah, I mean it's it's Andrew Luck. Um, I've been on this wagon since like I first released rankings back in March or whatever. Like I just kind of assumed based upon the fact that he missed all of last year that starting in week one was kind of guaranteed, right? Like he said, all this time to get healthy. And we know who Andrew Luck is, right? Like, I'm not too concerned about, you know, how he's going to hold up now because he's had all this time to get healthy. If we look at his ceiling compared to other players, like, he's posted better marks than points per game, top 10 finish rate, top 20 finish rate, and average weekly finish than Rodgers, Wilson, Brady, Newton, and every other quarterback with a significant sample size since 2014. So the ceiling is there. We know he's an elite producer. T.Y. Hilton is still there. Yeah, there are some concerns about like the secondary and and third receivers on that team, but Andrew Luck is good enough to make that work. Like he's on that Brady level to where he can, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. And I I don't think that him sliding outside the top six makes any sense. You know, the camp reports have all been super positive. And like you said, we have to take those with a grain of salt. But when we know that the player is talented, we know the player is good. Like I'm not, I'm not really one who likes to buy too much into injury pessimism or injury optimism for that matter. Now, like sustained injury problems, like we see with like Jordan Reed, especially like concussions, like that's a little different, but with Andrew Luck, like I'm, I'm honestly just not that concerned. Like I think it's going to be the week one starter. I think he's going to be healthy all year. I think we have to assume that. And with that in mind, like he should be drafted in the top five or top six at the quarterback position. Like he's my guy. I think that that's going to catch up to like, as more positive reports come out as we see him in preseason, like luck is going to start to skyrocket up ADP. So if you're drafting early, like if you're doing best balls now, like you should definitely be buying into him at his suppressed cost because it's only going to go up as, as the season gets closer. Yeah. I'm starting to jump on this train with you. I wasn't there at first and we've talked about it before and I wasn't there 
But the more I see him get healthy, the more I see him throw footballs, the more I see him do things. If he is healthy, like they're saying, I agree completely. You have to believe he's going to be that guy he was before. So love everything about it. Um, Greg, this was a great time. Before we head on out of here, let, again, remind everybody where they can find you and what's got going on. Yeah, uh, find me on Twitter, at Greg Sauce. Uh, you can find uh, my site, 2QBs.com, on there too. It's at 2QBs. And just like you would spell out the web address, you spell out the Twitter account the same way. It's all letters, T-W-O-Q-B-S. Uh, come check out our 2018 draft guide for 2QB formats. Uh, come check out all the articles we have there. Come check out the 2QB Experience podcast. Um, I've got that cool series I was talking about coming up starting on Monday, August 6th. Uh, the first episode is going to have the guys from Player Profiler, uh, Matt Kelly and Eric McClung. Um, and then we're going to dive in with a bunch of other great guests after that, like Fantasy ADHD, Scott Fish, uh, Jim Saunas, Brandon Gadula from Number Fire. I've got a bunch of other great guests kind of coming down the pipe that I can't really talk about yet because I haven't recorded with them yet. But that's scheduled for next week and the series is going to be continuing. It's going to be great, like kind of. Like this show has been basically about me and like what I think about the quarterback position. What I want this new series to do is kind of share other people's opinions about the quarterback position so that one, you can see that there are different ways to approach it, right? If you're a listener and you're like looking for help with your leagues and two, to hopefully find some commonalities, like find some guys that consistently from these different analysts are being tabbed as overrated, underrated, hard to evaluate. And hopefully we can kind of like come to some consensus stuff there and figure out like where there's discrepancy so that, you know, you as the listener can say, Oh, like I don't have to think about it just this one way because, you know, Greg told me to, like, I heard, uh, you know, I heard Rich Rebar, I heard Bubba say like something different about QBs and I can take that instead. So fantasy is all about like kind of playing the game your own way. Like there are a lot of different ways to win. And that's what this new series is supposed to do is kind of show you that specifically like in how to approach the QB position. So I'm really excited about it. That's why I've been talking for you know the past minute and a half about it so yeah come check it out i'm, I'm really stoked I, I can't wait for you guys to hear it no that sounds awesome i like the idea because yeah there's a ton of different podcasts out there but you know i'm only going to really do one qb podcast you look at it, a lot of other podcasts and they're like okay you're doing one on this position so on and so forth by getting all these different versions of it you kind of get more of a consensus like you said which i think will be really really good so everybody go check out all his work as you can tell they do great work over there uh two qbs.com and greg does a lot of great work on the podcast is good stuff so go check it all out and greg thanks for joining me man hey thanks a lot for having me bubba this was a ton of fun as expected yeah i appreciate it everybody this was bench with bubba episode 111 talking some fantasy football catch you guys next time with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards, that's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. 
Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.